0: In John chapter one, uh, last week, you know, we looked at the first five verses. I can't believe that we got through them, also with the little introduction. But you know, I felt like uh, the Lord really blessed that time, and and I I know a lot of uh, individuals reiterated that, and, and and it's just our prayer as we continue through the book that the Lord will just meet with us every week. I just want to read the passage from last week. It is just the five verses quickly recap it talk about where we're going and then we'll get into it but john 1 1 through 5 reads in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was in the beginning with god all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it and as we looked at this in the context of the book is in the context of the first chapter we see and we saw that the word is the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 14 it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us and in that we see that Jesus and we saw that Jesus is God. We saw God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit and talked about that last week. How God was there in the beginning god has no beginning he is everlasting he has always been and we just kind of step back and said trip out on that did any of you guys trip out on that this weekend or this past week just i hope you did i know driving here this morning did, did anyone see the sunrise this morning did you see the sun coming over those clouds there it was one of the most glorious sunrises i've ever seen In my life. And the first thing I thought is, you know, in the beginning, God made that, and He's from everlasting and everlasting. And I thought, if that's just a little glimpse of what we have waiting us for in glory, I I literally just wanted to pull over and just look at that and drink it in. It was so gorgeous. And we were reminded of that. Again, in the beginning, God was there, that Jesus is God. And again, we saw this term word, it means it's logos in the Greek. And we talked about the fact that logos, it means the divine expression. And Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. Here's Jesus in the beginning with the Father. All things were created through Christ. He's everlasting to everlasting. And when you look at the Son, when you look at Jesus, when you see the divine expression, Jesus, you see the Father. And we talked about that. And we talked about the fact that we're living in a world where, you know what, oftentimes people get a distorted view of the Father because of their experiences here and their hurts and so forth. And uh, there aren't any perfect parents, are there? And, um, you know, some fell far more than others. And, and at times some even move into abusing their children. And it's an abusive world that we're living in. And I think oftentimes one of the great lies of the enemy is, well, Jesus thinks you're okay, but the Father wants nothing to do with you. And yet Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And as we look at Jesus and we study his life, yes, he is a, a, the God of judgment and he absolutely is going to judge this world, but he came here to lay down his life for you. And we just see the love of God just pour out of Jesus at every turn. I marvel at how he would go to the outcast and to the herding and he'd hear those cries. And we touched on, reminded of the fact he left that whole crowd to go across the Sea of Galilee to find those two demonics that had been locked up in the, in, in the cemetery, chained there, left, you know, out here in oblivion on the fringe, and the Lord went all the way there to find them, and as you see Jesus doing those things, you see the Father, and the Father loves you, and He cares for you, and yes, we're called to have utmost reverence for him but at the same time the bible says we need to call him abba father we can sit on his lap we can cry out to him we can shed tears before him and he wants to wrap his arms around you he is the father to the fatherless is he not good and so we saw that last week and we also saw the fact that jesus is the light of the world that he gave life to men The light shines in the darkness but the darkness did not comprehend it and talked about the fall of man and and again christ coming to the cross and so forth and i I gotta move on or we'll preach that sermon again because it you know there's so much meat there so uh if you weren't with this you can go back and read that but when we start going through books like this it's important that we recap and so we'll be doing that every week and you know that might get redundant but listen these things build on each other and we want to learn in context and it's our hope here that, you know, if the Lord tarries and we get through the whole book, we have a real strong grasp on it. We see all these things tied together and so forth. So now that's no, that's what we're doing when we do that. Now let's read verses uh, 6 through 13, kind of talk about this and then get into it. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through, that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. And that was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God." And and notice what pops here in the first three verses, a witness. And so John the disciple tells us that John the Baptist was sent to go before Jesus to bear witness that he's the light of the world and he's the Messiah. And we'll talk about that. We're also going to talk about the fact that we've been sent, you've been sent, to bear witness as well that Christ is the light of the world. And then, you know what, we see here as well, amongst many other things, and, and we'll get into this, that through receiving the Lord... You know, receiving Christ as our Savior, believing in Him that we get the right to become the children of God. And that's such a glorious thing. So, you know what, let's get into it here. Again, verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. Notice right off the beginning it says there was a man, and it said twice. In verse 6, there was a man, and it says this man. And I think this is important to touch on. That you know this is John the disciple talking about this man, John the Baptizer, and has emphasized that he 's just a man. and this is important because uh, last week, you know the focus started on Jesus, and it wasn't that he was just a man, but that he is God, and that he was the beginning with God, and again that he's the divine expression of the Father. Now in verse 14 we'll read and we read that the Word became flesh, that God took on flesh and so did he cease being god no he was a hundred percent god a hundred percent flesh but you see the distinction here it says that jesus was the word jesus was the beginning jesus was with god jesus was god and now we turn to this individual and emphasize that he was just a man and there's a big difference between men and god isn't there and we don't want to blur that line and absolutely in all of this we'll see that john was sent to be a witness to point people to the light but he wasn't the light he was sent there to point people to get their eyes on the light he was just a uh you know what a sign saying look to him point people to him and so forth and we're going to get reminded of that this morning we need to have our eyes upon the lord first and foremost and not upon men and as upon men we need to be pointing men to him not to ourself, not to other men, but to him first and foremost. So again, he was a man sent from God. John was his name. It's John, again, it's not John the Baptist in that he was a member of the Third Baptist Church. And listen, if you go to the South, there's a Third Baptist, a Fourth Baptist, a Fifth Baptist, and so forth. And many of them are wonderful brothers and sisters in the Lord, but he was John the baptizer. And we'll talk more about that here in a minute. We know that he was sent by God with a prophetic message, and he was sent fulfilling prophecy itself. The Bible prophesied that this man would come before the Messiah would come and make himself known to the world. In Mark's gospel, it starts like this. In Mark 1.1, it says, In the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. And that's a reference to John. Again, a prophetic word was given that before the Messiah comes, there's just gonna be this messenger and he'll have the spirit of Elijah upon him. And he's gonna make the path of the straight, or uh, the, the path of the way of the Lord straight. Uh, this term of preparing the way, it was a phrase used in that time for when a king was coming you know, to a village, when a king was going out to, <clears throat> you know, meet with others, there would be an entourage that would go before him, and they would make that path straight. They would be moving, you know what, uh, logs from the road, and filling them potholes, and making sure that it was a smooth path, so that, again, he could come in a manner that would be effective. There'd be nothing that would slow that down, and so forth, and John came in that manner. He also came again uh, signifying that the messiah was soon to come again we'll see here in a minute that jesus came first to his own and his own did not receive him and israel knew that the messiah was coming and god didn't just you know what one day bring the messiah without any prophetic utterance we know scripturally that god will always tell us what he's going to do before he does it in fact isaiah 46 9 says remember the former things of old for i am god and there is no other I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man who executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. And so again, God wanted men looking for the fulfillment of these prophecies to know when the messiah came that indeed it was the messiah because to this day there's still people that show up and say hey i'm the messiah you know we we have a state hospital in town and it's, there's there's many there that say hey i'm the messiah we need to pray for those people they're under deception but then you look at you know there, there's many global uh, individuals today proclaiming their messiah and listen they have In some cases, millions and millions of followers. And yet when the Christ came, when Jesus came, it was according to prophecy, the fulfillment of prophecy. And God said there's going to be one that comes first with the spirit of Elijah. And again, he's going to go out to the wilderness. He he's not going to go to the cities. He's going to go out to the wilderness to prepare that way. And that's absolutely what John did. He came in that prophetic manner to prepare the way. Notice as well, there was a man sent from God. And he was sent to be a witness. And we'll talk about that in a second, sent to be a witness. But what's beautiful about this is that God will never call us to do anything that he won't first empower us to do it. You know, if God the Father said, hey, I want you to drive down to the store and get groceries, he would make sure he had the means to get down there. He would provide that. He always does that for us. And with John the Baptist, the Lord would provide him with the means to go forth And to make the way of the Messiah, you know, it's straight. And he would do that through supplying him with the, you know, empowerment of an upon experience of the Holy Spirit. And what's beautiful about this with John, this upon experience of the Holy Spirit wouldn't happen, you know, when he was finally ready to go out and put on the camel hair and eat locust and honey and all that. But this is amazing. It happened while he was in his mother's womb. In Luke 1 15, this was the Lord speaking to John's father. It says, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. So he was a Nazarite. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Listen, I I know we got some gals that are pregnant in our fellowship. Uh, It seems like there's always been gals pregnant in our fellowship, and there will be more in the future. Listen, don't wait till they're born to start praying for them. Lay hands on that belly right now and say, Lord, fill this child with the Holy Spirit even right now and pray that for your children and so forth. And there's a beautiful picture and later on in the same chapter in Luke 1:39, after the Lord had showed Mary that the Holy Spirit would overshadow her and as a virgin, she would conceive and bring forth the Savior of the world. It says, Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country with haste to the city of Judah And entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And this was Mary's aunt, who again was the mother of John the Baptist. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit not only filled John, but the Holy Spirit also filled Mary. And listen, isn't it beautiful when children can minister to their parents and parents can minister to their children? How glorious. God came upon John and coming upon John, that ministered to his mother. What a, a beautiful picture. And so it says here, the baby leaped in the womb. Then she spoke with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. By why this is, But why is this granted to me? The mother of my Lord should come to me. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy, blessed is she who believed, for there, for there will be a fulfillment of those things uh, which were told her from the Lord. And you know what, notice again the baby's leaping in the womb, and, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but you know it's another picture in the Bible of God telling us that when the, the, the life begins at conception. You know what, fetuses or dead things can't leap, can't get filled with the Holy Spirit. And I know most of you guys probably heard this past week in, in, in New York, they you know, passed a law that a, a child can be aborted up to the you know, ninth month, up to the day before conception. And it's such a grievous thing. And you know, we celebrate the fact that in Christ we have the Holy Spirit and we can lay hands on our children and pray for them. But we also got to understand that it's such a fallen world. And we need to be praying for these things and lifting them up to the Lord and so forth. And standing in the truth of God's word, these are the scriptures that again tell us truth concerning all of these matters and so forth. So again, John was sent and he was sent in the power of the Holy Spirit from the time, again, he was in the womb, a call was upon him. And then notice he was sent to be a witness of the light. And we know who the light is. We know that the light is is the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, last week we read in verse 4 and 5, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Again, Jesus is the light. Jesus gave that light to men. He gave life to men, and that God formed man out of dust and breathed life into him. And then last week we talked about the darkness does not comprehend it so that tells us something happened and indeed something happened Man sinned in the garden there was separation from uh, holy God and sinful man but Jesus is the light and he's calling people to the light he's calling people to himself he's calling people to come out of the darkness and confess their sin and come to the light of the world for salvation and cleansing and everlasting life and notice John was sent to be a witness of the light but think about this you know what does a light really need witness do i need a witness to you right now hey everybody hey everybody just so you don't know lights are on in here (laughs) just so you guys know you know i saw sunset today and and i need to bear witness there's a sun up in the sky right now i need to tell you that Or, or over this past week did you did you see the moon some of those days how full it was you know to bear we see these things listen the only way that a light needs to have a witness brought to it is if there's blindness. And if someone came in today and they couldn't see, then we would need to, and hopefully even out of a love for them, we would bear witness to that which they didn't see, especially if that light was a life-giving, you know, a, a God who would want to restore them to himself, wrap his arms around them so they could spend eternity with him. And this is the thing, again, Jesus is the light of the world, but the world around us, again, it's in darkness. It doesn't comprehend. It's blinded to these things of God Almighty. So we're called to be a witness to them. And in a second, we're going to talk about being the witness and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. But that's, and that is the main thing, but that's just part of it. Because if someone couldn't see you know, the light, they couldn't see the sun, but we'll say they could see down below the sun, and we're sharing with them that there is a sun up there and we're trying to explain that and so forth just like you would do with the gospel. Listen, there's the son of God and he died for your sins and he rose from the grave. We'd also want to see them the evidence that there's a sun in the sky. Just as we'd want to show them that there's an evidence that you know the son of God came and he changed my life. And the way you would show that to someone saying there's a sun, they can't see the sun but they can see these things, you would want them to see the effects of the sun. You'd want them to see the fruit coming from the trees and understand photosynthesis and so forth, that God, you know, it allows all this to happen, again, from the sun shining on the plants. If he had solar panels, right, and let's just say they can see the solar panels just sitting there and so forth, but they can't see the sun, you'd want to see them, them to see that gauge and all that power, and, you know, they can plug in and blow dry their hair and realize, listen, this is coming through these solar powers just sitting there, but it's the sun hitting them. It's a witness of it. Hopefully you, they, would, they would see it upon you, you know. Hey, I spent time in the sun today. And they would see, you know, a little browning of the face, a little suntan and so forth. You know, they, they would see the effects of it, kind of like Moses when he was in the presence of God. And he had that kind of Shekinah glow and shine on him. And, you know, kind of freaked them up. They're like, cover your face. We We can't handle that and so forth. And John was sent to be a witness like that. Again, not only in message, but... Uh, in his actions and we're going to come back to this here in a second and bring application to us so a a witness to the light to these that are blind that can't see and indeed John was he was this in action he was also this in word and Mark 1 4 through uh, 8 it speaks of his ministry it says John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins he was saying listen everyone it's time that we acknowledge our sin It's time that we turn from our sin because there's one coming who is the Messiah. And so get your heart right now for the first coming of the Lord. It says, then all the land of Judea, those from Jerusalem, went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. And again, this was to prepare. This was an acknowledgement. We're sinners and we need a Savior and we believe the Savior's coming and we're putting our faith in that Savior who is to come. It says in verse 6, Now John was clothed with camel hair, and with a leather belt around his waist, he ate locusts and wild honey. Aren't you just, isn't it awesome how God just does things? You know, I'm going to bring this guy out in the wilderness. This is going to go against all the norm. You know, he's not going to be dressing with these robes and so forth. You know, we're just going to go full-on caveman here, you know. Camel hair, leather belt, locust, honey, and so forth. Verse 7, And he preached saying, notice here, there's one coming after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to stoop down and lose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So he pointed everyone, there's someone coming, there's someone coming. And John did this continually because people were fascinated with John and they flocked to John, but he never took that spotlight. It was always pointing him to the Lord. I got to make the way straight this is about pointing him to Christ so he was a witness of that light in action he was witness of that light again in word and notice why it says so that all through him might believe that all might believe we need to remember this morning that God desires all to come to faith in him he desires all to receive him he desires all to believe in him. And listen, I know that there's many that work hard to say, no, he only desires a few to believe. He only desires some elect to believe. I know there's an election in the Bible. I know that there are the chosen in the Bible, but I also read in the Bible that whoever so will may come. And God desires again for all to come upon him, or come to him, 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. It's talking about his praying that that's good it says who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth and we need to remember that god desires all men to call upon his name even those ones that we despise the most in our flesh even the ones that are told to go to hell even those on the (laughs) fringe of society so far out there that seems so unredeemable that you would even say you know what You know, they need to be snuffed off the face of the earth. And maybe some do need to be held accountable for crimes. But listen, they need to have opportunity to call upon them. And we need to know that God desires for them to get saved. Listen, all that's going on around us, the reason we are still, you know, functioning here as a world and we have breath in our lungs is because God's desiring these people to repent and get born again, period. He's long-suffering, not wanting any to perish. We got to remember that. We are here, again, to be a witness because just as John was called to be that witness, we're called to be that witness. When you heard the gospel, when you repented and believed in the Lord, which really is the same thing, it's, it's turning from being my own Lord to put my trust in him to be the Lord, our Lord. Listen, John had the Holy Spirit come upon him in his mother's womb. When you believed in the Lord, God sealed you with this Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.13, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed you were sealed with the holy spirit of promise and it wasn't just an upon experience and john was part of the old covenant and again they would have an upon experience they did not have the indwelling of the holy spirit because christ had not died and risen from the grave yet but absolutely this morning in christ you have the indwelling of the holy spirit of god in you and just as john was sent you have been sent do you know this morning you have been sent? Let me ask you, is Jesus your Lord? Can you say amen to that? Yes. You knew I was going to get to that question, right? Yes. Do you know that you have been sent? Jesus said in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen: Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So again, make a disciple. That starts by sharing the gospel and someone coming to Christ, uh, receiving him. Uh, by faith by grace through faith in him and then he says baptize them that's that outward proclamation that they are inwardly changed and then he says teaching them to observe all things that i've commanded you notice not part but all things and then he gives us this incredible encouragement and lo i'm with you always to the end of the age amen so in other words whatever i call you to do i'm going to go out with you even to the end of this age and i believe we're near the end of the age and god's with us to the end of the age can we say amen to that that's a glorious thing so again as john was commissioned we all in like manner have been commissioned to take the gospel out to the world around us and when we gather together here on a sunday on a wednesday in a small group during the week it's in part to equip us for that work of the ministry To go out, and listen, this is is the most effective form of evangelism. We do a lot of evangelism as a church. We always had some sort of media stuff going on um, and so forth. Uh, But the most effective form of evangelism is that when individuals, again, understand they're called and they're commissioned, and they go out. And they go out, and it's one-on-one. Again, Jesus came, and he took on flesh and blood to be that witness and you guys are flesh and blood that have been instilled with the Holy Spirit to go out and be that witness. Do you know that's how most people get saved? Most people get saved through one individual connecting with another individual. That individual that knows the Lord begins to pray for them and be concerned about them and shares the gospel with them and so forth. And, and at the minimum, it's the beginning of the seeds planting. And hopefully it's a thing where they say, yeah, there is difference here. I can see a witness of what he's talking about in their life. Most people that will come to church, especially non-churchgoers, they, 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 they come from individuals inviting them. You know, the Clipper ad or whatever can be a reinforcement of that. We send those things out. But listen, it's through you going out and doing those things. And when you leave this place, you know, I've seen churches before. And I have thought maybe we need to put this up at our church as well. A sign as you're leaving saying, you know, you're entering into the mission field. One thing to help you with this, on that shelf right out that back door, we have gospel tracts that are there in, in things of ten, so that, you know, you can get familiar with these and you can even open it up and go through someone. Or you can just, you know, next time you go out to lunch, you just tuck it right in there. And hopefully you've been a witness. Hopefully you're a good tipper. And all the waitresses said amen, right? <laughs> and you shine for the Lord and you've seen a difference and you've tried to acknowledge that person and you say thank you when they pour you water and so forth and you're not rude and gruff and so forth. And maybe that's just a way to impact them. And so understand that this morning. We're we're here in part because we've been equipped, we've been sealed, we've been called, and listen, on top of that, God wants to empower us with the Holy Spirit every single day, with that empowerment that you know what John spoke of, baptizing us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And that's an ongoing thing. And I know a lot of people debate what is that, you know, and so forth, and it's this way and that way. All I know is that I need the Lord every single day. And all I know is that the Lord said in Luke eleven thirteen, 13 if you're evil or if you're sinners and you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father? He's talking to believers here. How much more will you heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And so we got to recognize I'm I'm sealed with the Spirit of God. I've been sent to represent God, and God wants to empower me in that because that can be intimidating, can it? I, I have no doubt there's probably some folks in there right now saying, oh yeah, I know I'm called, but I don't like hearing this because I'm so intimidated. I'm so frightened. Well, listen, the Lord's with you to the end of the age. The Lord's walking, you, w- w- walking with you in these things, and he wants to empower you in these things so that you can be a witness, so that you can you know, share a timely word in a timely way and I think the question with that is are we going to yield to him in this do we truly desire to be a witness will we ask him to fill us or will we be in a place where we say you know what yeah I'm glad I'm saved but I want to be about my own business I would hope we could pray the words of John uh, the Baptist and we'll Lord willing see this later down the road but in John three thirty, he said he must increase and I must decrease And the more the Lord increases in your life, the more the fleshly things will decrease. But listen, it will be all the more you'll find life and all the more you'll be a light of Jesus Christ. Now, verse eight, it says, he was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. And so in other words, John, again, is just a man. We saw two times in the previous verses, he's just a man and he's not the light. He's just a fallen man, just like us. In fact, it's interesting it says in Matthew eleven eleven, as surely I say to you, this is Jesus speaking. Among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he was the least in the kingdom of heaven, is greater than him. And so the Lord is saying, amongst all the Old Testament patriarchs and prophets and priests and kings, there is none greater than John the Baptist. That's that's a pretty you know what incredible acknowledgement of the lord and if the lord says that it's true you know it's not like well what's your opinion No, this is god saying this and think about this for a second we never read of john performing a single miracle we never see him performing a single healing we never see him calling fire down from heaven it's not a you know what a a a a circus show out there in the wilderness you know what he did he let he lived a life dedicated to god he was a nazirite He didn't cut his hair. He didn't drink wine. And and it's not saying that, you know, we have freedom in the Lord to get haircuts and drink wine. It says, don't be drunk in wine. But that's a picture of the fact he was dedicated to God. He was willing to go out by faith to the wilderness when no one was out there and begin to preach. And he was faithful in preaching the word out in the wilderness. And in that, the Lord says, he was the greatest of all the Old Testament prophets. But he said, he's the least in the kingdom of heaven. How is that? Again, the Holy Spirit came upon him. The Holy Spirit indwells in you. We're partakers of the new covenant. And so again, we're partakers of the better covenant, though the new covenant fulfilled their faith in the old covenant. But just like him, he's not the light, and we're not the light either. Jesus is the light. And so it's important that we put the light or the spotlight on the light. And Christianism so easy can be about men Vying for the spotlight, especially in this day of social media and this day of Christian celebrity and so forth, we kind of been trained. We've been trained up to put our eyes on people from the time we're children. We watch certain people on TV and so forth, and we look at them. and I saw a brief part of a brief documentary yesterday. It was upon they they, they called it the the birth of the teenager. and talked about how that's an American invention. You don't see that really you don't see it in scripture you don't see it in other cultures that in times past children were born the next thing you know they were working alongside their parents they dressed like their parents and so forth and this whole thing came in with celebrities and so forth and they show all these screaming weak knee girls and so forth and what was going on there they were conditioning them to get their eyes upon men and worship men we need to make sure we're not vying for the spotlight We need to make sure that we are like John saying, I'm willing to go to the wilderness and be oblivion, but I want the light to be on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not the light, but he's the light. And it's very easy to push Jesus outside of the church. That church of Laodicea, we're rich, we have need of nothing. We're the light, we're the show. No, people need Jesus. And so let's make sure that we're not doing that. Let's make sure that, again, our eyes are upon him, Let's make sure the light that's in us is the light of the Lord. Uh, the Lord warns us in Matthew 6, 22. The lamp, is, the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, there, if therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great that darkness. And so the more you have your eyes on the light on Jesus, the more Jesus is going to shine through you. Verse 9 That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. And we talked about this last week. Jesus, again, is the true light. He gave life to men. He's desiring men to come back to him. He declared himself in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Now, again, we've already touched on it. Beware, because there's false lights. We read in Corinthians, Satan comes what? As an angel of light. So be warned. He says his workers disguise themselves as angels of light so we need a light detector we need to be a witness of the light and we also need to be able to detect is that light god or is that a false light what's the light detector does anyone know it this morning we're reading it right now right the bible it tests all things by the scripture the holy spirit's that light detector we go before the lord in prayer god give me discernment, sermon bring confirmation but he's the true light and there's false lights all around us Again, the giver of life that gave life to men, and again, we got to remember he came into the world that dwells in darkness. We were in that darkness before. Again, Ephesians five eight you were once darkness, but now you are the light. Now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. And and again, let's remember this: He's the light. The world's in darkness. He's desiring all to come to know Him and so forth. Let's remember that. You know, I, I just my heart breaks for the culture that we are living in. I think that we are being so conditioned to hate others, to to not be long suffering with others, to just take our ball and go the other way and go home. And I, I know that we are in a we are in a we are absolutely in the midst of a cold civil war in our nation between the right and the left. And I, I'm absolutely a conservative individual, but. But it's not to the point where, you know, there there aren't, you know, acknowledgments that that listen. There are certain liberal ideas and concepts. Maybe not they're implemented the way they're implemented. That are good when it comes to compassion and care and so forth. And and you have all these different policies. But my thought is that we've moved past that, and our culture looks like something out of a comic book right now. It really looks like something out of Gotham City where there's these two propaganda machines. And yes, there are two of them. And what they're trying to do is just make people you know, hate others and poison them and so forth. And if you don't think like me and if you don't view things like me, then you're the enemy and I hate you. And it, it bothers me that I see that coming into so much of Christendom. Because what that will, what that will do is it will, it will pit you against these unbelievers perhaps in the darkness... But it will also begin to spoil your soul, even towards other brothers in the light. And it's just so important that we don't take that bait and we remember. Listen, the world dwells in darkness. Jesus is the light of life. He's coming very soon, and our life here is as a handbreadth. It's a vapor. It's going to come and it's going to go. We got to take these sauce captive to the obedience of Christ, because again, He gave light to every man coming into the world. He desires all to be saved. Verse ten. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and that world did not know him. Again, Jesus came to the world. Verse, verse 14 of this, the word became flesh. He did this to live that sinless life, to go to the cross of Calvary, to pay the penalty of your sin, to pay the penalty of my sin, to pay the penalty of the sins of the world. Again, this all started with one man's rebellion, and we would all have the means of salvation through one man's obedience. The wrath of the father placed upon him we talk about this over and over and over and maybe we'll talk about it over and over and over in the future took that wrath upon him the wages of sin is death he laid down his life but death couldn't hold him he resurrected so that if any would call on him any would receive him as lord they could be saved so he came into the world to save us again the world was made through him we talked about that last week but the world didn't know him this is amazing the world does not know their god the world does not know the master the world does not know their maker we have three guinea pigs at home and they all know me (laughs) serious they know when i come in because i am a sucker for feeding them like you know my girls were younger and it was like guinea pig and now they're they're like teenagers now and guinea pigs aren't too attractive to teenage girls They still acknowledge them here or there, but they've kind of become my guinea pigs, you know. The one had a rash, and I medicated them back to life, you know, back with putting ointment on them. Melaleuca, and I made a sweater for them out of a sock. (laughs) And they know me. Listen, I walk in the room. You can ask Shannon. They go nuts. They start going crazy because they know I'm going to give them a treat. They're, like, really stoked right now because we're doing that celery thing where you juice the celery, and so they're celery stalking man they're just like they're loving it but they know me but think about this the world does not know God that's how blind the world is wouldn't you be compassionate if you came home and your dog was in a place that your dog didn't acknowledge you this world doesn't know God because of sin because of the fallen nature but God loves them and God wants them to come to him and God's put us in a place to point men to him Verse 11, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. Now this speaks specifically of him coming to Israel. Again, salvation is to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. Why? Because God chose Israel to be the vessel to bring forth the Messiah of the world. God had given them all this prophecy how the Messiah would come. And they were to be looking for him. And listen, he came that first time. And they looked right past him and they weren't even looking for him. And that law and all they had was just a foreshadow of the substance of Christ who was to come. And when the substance came, they just stayed stuck in the shadow of the law, thinking they could be justified by their works, when they couldn't, and neither can we. He came to his own, and they didn't receive him. Again, they weren't looking for him at that first coming. Are you looking for him at that second coming? I hope you are. I hope we are. I hope we can truly pray as a church, Maranatha, come soon, Lord Jesus and, and mean it. Jesus prophesied later on. In fact, in John 5, 43, we'll see this down the road, Lord willing. He says, I've come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you'll receive. And this is a prophecy about the Antichrist. When he comes in his own name, you'll receive him. In fact, Israel will make a covenant with him. And halfway through that you know, a covenant of seven years, they're going to realize this isn't the Messiah when he brings a sacrifice in that temple that will be erected on the temple mount that they're ready to build right now. They have everything they need to build it. They're gonna recognize when he brings this abominable sacrifice, this isn't the Messiah. And yet even in that, God will enter them into a time called Jacob's trouble, where at the end of that time, they'll look upon him and they'll have faith in him and all Israel will be saved. Aren't you glad for the faithfulness of God? Verse 12, but as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. So they didn't receive, a remnant believed, but they initially didn't receive him, but as many as. Which again, all, whoever, God's not par- partial, any, any who would receive him. Again, I receive you as my Lord. I believe in you. The term here, believe, it means supreme faith. I've trusted my life to you. You are my Lord. I receive you. I'm separated from you, but I'm turning from from my idols. I'm turning from the God of my own belly. That's what repentance is. To receive you as the Lord of my life. To any, to any that would receive him. Notice here, he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. I hear people talking all the time, we're losing our rights. How did I get in California? I'm losing all my rights. It's not fair. In Christ Jesus, you have the greatest right in the history of all of creation. You're a child of God. And that's a right that can never be taken from you. If you have true faith in him, it can never be stripped from you. If God is for you, who can be against you? You're in his hands never to be snatched away grafted into his family as children of God it's awesome here um, th- this implies that we're children of God in name and we're also children of God in nature and this is the message we got to get out because there's so many people that think well I'm saved by grace now I go back to doing what I did before but we got to understand we're saved by grace through faith, positionally right. Now God wants to begin to shape and mold and change our nature so that why? We would be a witness of the light. Because the light's in us now. So the Holy Spirit's doing a work in us now. Listen, we, the Lord gives us the opportunity at times, you know, to have children. And generally, our children look something like us, right? If it's, if it's a natural, you know, birth child they're going to look something like us it's the same with us he says you're children of God by name and now God wants to do a work in us so that we begin to resemble him why so we can be that witness so they can say you're different you're a little different than everyone else it's it's a witness again of the gospel of of God because if, if we just blend in and we're like the world why would they even be interested why would they even care they're like you're just like us and it seems like it's getting harder and harder to differentiate the church from the world we need his help especially with all the temptation around us and so forth i mean the enemy's working hard to get us to walk like unbelievers to get us to be a people who don't pray first to get us to be a self-centered you know what people pleasure seeking over loving him oh god we need your help finally verse 13 the right to become children of god to those who believe in his name so again those that have called upon christ who were born not of blood nor of the will of flesh nor of the will of man but of god so again he's speaking of being born again and this doesn't happen by physical means it's not by man's will it's not by works we don't become children of god by working our way to heaven it doesn't happen that way Again, the law shows us we're sinners. Now we're saved under good works. But those individuals think, I'm going to work my way to heaven. I'm going to show, you know, I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to do penance and I'm going to do all this stuff. And then God's going to see I'm worthy. That's trampling the blood of Christ underfoot. And then it says, by flesh and blood. And again, so many were putting their faith in those fleshly sacrifices of bulls and goats and sheep and so forth. And again, those were put forth in faith of the Messiah to come but for so many it moved into I brought my sacrifice and my works and I'm through saved through me and this beast versus you know what the Messiah to come and those things can't save you either nor by again the will of man that effort but of God and this speaks of us again being born again again Lord willing we'll get to this down the road but in John chapter 3 there was a pharisee named nicodemus and he came to jesus at night jesus was already very controversial there was already people that were upset with jesus do you realize a lot of people were always upset with jesus and so he came by night and he began to acquire of the lord of spiritual matters and jesus said to him in john 3:3, he says most assuredly i say to you unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of god Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit then the Lord goes,'t you you know you're a teacher, you don't understand these things. Let me ask you this morning, are you a Christian or are you a born-again Christian? Because you've got to be born again by saying, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm entitled, I'm an American, you know what? Oh, I believe in you know what baseball, Chevrolet, apple pie and Jesus. But are you born again? You're born again. Again, when you acknowledge, I'm a sinner. I need the Spirit of God. I need new life. And you call on Him. And and, and again, you ask Him to be the Lord of your life. You say, Lord, take this mess and do something with it. That's when you get born again. You get the Holy Spirit. I hope everyone in this room is born again. And if you're not, you can be born again today. You can call on Him today, and He'll meet you today. In fact, let's close up in prayer right now and close in prayer. And I'm going to give you opportunity to call on him, to ask him to be your Lord. Let's all stand up and and close. Lord, we bless you today, and God, we just desperately need you. Lord, I marvel. I marvel at your grace, your mercy, your love for us. God, while we were in darkness, while we were darkness and sin, you amazingly sent your son and Jesus you willingly came to live a sinless life and die for us at that hill of Calvary on that cross and again you rose from the grave to to defeat sin and death to make that way of salvation for us Lord Lord I want to pray God great blessing on all of those that are born again that have put their trust in you I want to pray, God, that this morning, God, we'd receive this reminder that we've been commissioned to be a witness of the Lord. I pray we'd ask the question, "What kind of a witness I am I?" And are there things, God, that are, God, not, God, a good witness of you? We'd ask for forgiveness of those things. We'd do business with you, God. We'd get our eyes upon you, God, and we'd get our eyes again off of of men. We'd point one another to you, God, and. If we've been pointing people to ourselves lord we would repent of that listen if you're here today and you haven't called on him today is the day of salvation and i want to encourage you to do that today and listen we did this last week and i I just feel led to do it again today and i I don't know I, i don't know what we'll do next week if we're here next week but I know what these matters a lot of times people are just they're like I don't know what I am and maybe you're here today and you're like I'm a Christian but am I a born again Christian I want to know that I am I, I want to know that I know that he's my Lord and I've called on his name and it's all settled let's settle it today let's get it settled today And again, we're we're not saved through a prayer. We're saved through faith in the Lord. But God has called us to call on his name in prayer. And if you haven't done that, and you're saying, Steve, I want to call on him right now. I I want to leave here knowing I'm born again. I I want to get sealed with the Spirit of God and have that assurance of my salvation. I want to pray with you today. And and again, the, the prayer is just just to come alongside that faith that God's giving you right now to trust in Him, to to, to, to put your hope in Him, to, to receive Him as your Lord. And so if that's you today, I want to invite you to repeat with me again and pray this from your heart. And those of you that know the Lord, let's let's pray with any in that place and lift them up. And, and if that's you, again, you're saying, I, I want to call on Him. I, I want to invite you, you know, to... to to tell the Lord that uh in praying and then the altar is gonna be open and I want to invite you as well to, to come up and perhaps pray with someone up here and you know let us put a Bible in your hands and for you to tell someone before you leave here today. So listen, let's just pray right now. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I know you're the Savior. I ask you to wash me of my sin, to be my Lord be my savior fill me with your holy spirit and make me born again as i believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to give me everlasting life i thank you jesus lord bless all these that have prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe for the first time god really meaning it lord let us worship you right now and Lord, get our eyes on you, and just, just, God, uh, be blessed. Let's let's worship Him and give Him praise. So remember as you leave you're going out to the mission field i pray god will shine his face on you greatly and empower you with this holy spirit and i just pray you be greatly blessed in the lord jesus christ today god bless you